0: Hey, friends, and welcome back to The Sandwich, hosted by me, Amanda Muse. Today's guest is a lovely, just a lovely woman. You're going to love her by the end of this episode, and I'm so thrilled to have her. And we're going to be talking about what life is like You know, being potentially one of those vulnerable people in this pandemic, and of course, what she is up to online and the sunshine that she brings. So I'd like to introduce you to Kat Inukai. Hello.
1: Hi, how are you? I'm so good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I'm
0: thrilled. I mean, when we first met, I was like, we got to find a way to do this podcast together. And then... I don't know, before the pandemic, these video style, like distance podcast recordings were not as popular, but now it's all we've got. So
1: isn't it interesting? It kind of forces things to happen, right? I mean, it is. It's the the necessity uh, breeds invention. Is that what it is? The mother of invention? I love that.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. I love it. Mm -hmm. So, Kat is a writer, content creator, a disabled mom and advocate. And actually, I asked her before I was about to introduce her, like, how should I title you? Because... You are so many things and you know you were things before and things now and I just think you have so much to share and I love following your journey. So that's what we're going to talk about. Let's just jump into it.
1: I, am. Um, this is, and this is interesting cause it's still new to me as you know this, mm. right? Cause when we met, it was very, very close, um, to my, my release from a neuro stroke ward, which is just a life changing experience. Um, I've had, I call myself the autoimmune. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I've always had, um, uh, I guess, you know, health conditions and symptoms, Uh, I got my first diagnosis for Crohn's disease when I was like 29. And then all of a sudden, uh, it just, as things sometimes do with autoimmune stuff, there's a lot of comorbidities. There's a lot of things that happen at the same time. Um, I just started getting diagnosis after diagnosis after diagnosis. And it's actually really interesting because I hid that from a lot of people. I was on Instagram before. I never had the same kind of community that I do now. Um, but it was really interesting. I was very, very worried about what people <laughs> would think. And if they knew that I had Crohn's, I had mixed connective tissue disease, which is like a lupus crossover, or spondylitis, and Hashimoto's, and <laughs> Raynaud's phenomenon, and uh, fibromyalgia, all these things that, you know, all of a sudden, um, would like started of feeling that like they were going to define me. So Um it was I really feel like this is weird. The more I look back at this moment, it was sort of like a universal thing. But I was basically put on a number of different medications to manage my inflammatory symptoms, specifically Mm -hmm. for my spondylitis, which is like an inflammation in your spine, and my Crohn's. And one of them was um was a biologic. And I, you know, I had a really weird adverse reaction to it, totally atypical, very, very rare. Um, and that was after a year of taking it and it basically gave me a stroke like reaction.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) imagine this, like I'm hanging out with the kids and my husband, Heath, and we're playing lightsaber games as one does and I'm tired and I sit down and they're still going at it. And all of a sudden Heath looks at me and he says, honey, did, you know, did, did one of the kids hit you in the face with a lightsaber? I was like, no. And as I started to try and say anything else, I felt like all of a sudden I was like, you know, losing the ability to speak. So wow. yeah, he looks at me and my my face was drooping on the one side. Um, and I all of a sudden started feeling incredible weakness. I couldn't feel, you know, these very classic stroke symptoms. So it was very, very scary. Uh, I was a little disoriented and um, we ended up initially It's so weird because there are so many bizarre symptoms in autoimmune conditions that I was like, well, I don't know. Is it really important that we go to the ER? Like just not even it didn't sink in. Just because
0: just random stuff like this can happen
1: is that you almost get
0: used to weird symptoms. So you're just like, it's fine.
1: Totally. And I I don't know if a (laughs) lot of people realize that, but like literally autoimmune diseases can shift day to day. Inflammation can change day to day. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but it is really interesting. The amount of people in my community who say today, I can't walk today. I have a migraine today. I have neurosymptoms, you know, and then. That also means that the next day that will be, uh, it will be a a day of ease for them, you know, or a day of mobility. So it does shift. And that's one of the reasons why I was just like, I don't know what's going on. And I never dreamt that the time I got into the car and I was like giving my mom, like, you know, like just, okay, this is what we should do with the kids or, you know what I mean? Like, kind of like really blase. I did not dream that I would not see my kids for a month. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really
0: to catch people up. So you have two kids, and so your daughter is how old?
1: She's ten. She's ten, going on nineteen, but she's ten. Oh my god!
0: (laughs) I know. I feel like I have one of those. And then your son
1: is five. He's five. So
0: when did this happen? This stroke. She was
1: eight, and yeah, and he was three, and it was very traumatizing for them. It was very there's especially with Vivi, who's older, and, I mean, obviously, but she, she um, that concept of, like, seeing something happen to mom, seeing something, and she's seen me at the hospital. I've been there a number of times um, for, like, my Crohn's or to manage symptoms for a variety of my conditions. So, you know, I know that that was a triggering moment for her um, because I've, I've walked her through those triggers. but But Harrison... He is so little, he was, he was very, very scared. And he was, he just didn't, I mean, I didn't know what was happening. So I couldn't even really guide him through anything. But he was very, very scared, very traumatized. And, um, you know, I have to say that it, they, they had what I would absolutely consider a mild form of PTSD after I came back. Um, you know, well, because are- it's
0: one thing for mum to go to the doctors mm-hmm. and then come home and have dinner, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. then you're gone. So you were in the hospital for a month.
1: I was, yeah, I was in acute care at Sunnybrook Stroke um, Stroke Unit there for, wow. um, for two weeks, and then and I. And this was actually-
0: is shocking. You're like a young woman. Yeah. You know, oh, you yeah. would not s- expect something like this to be part of your life story at that age.
1: If you would have told me. Um, Two years ago even three years ago um, I was having such a different life uh, but that that I would be the person that I am now today that I would be using mobility aids but that uh, but that I would actually have more more of a fulfilling life now than I ever had um, and it would be because of something like a, a an allergic reaction to a medication or a stroke or some kind of like adverse thing happening in your life. I never would have believed it. I never would have believed it. Honestly, uh, you know. yeah. So
0: I met you, let's see. So I met you, well, you it last like, year. It's been two years ago yeah, now, hasn't
1: been it? Two, it's been two years. And I swear, so I met you in June. I got, it was April. So I met you two months after I was really.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So I met, and yeah. she's this tiny little human. You're just small, just small. <laughs> and at the time you were walking with a cane. Yeah. And I think when you see someone with a cane or whatnot, you, can, you know you're not going to ask outright. But you were chat, we were chatting, we were sitting on the little bus. And I think eventually it had come out, you had shared with me what had happened, um, and what you were going through. But again, it was very much not something you were sharing publicly. Um, but you were mulling the idea over of like, how do I share this journey? And so much has changed since then. And we're going to get to that. But I'm just curious, like, your before life. So, we're both Canadian. And um, I started my gig, as you know, living somewhere else. And there is this whole, like, oh, excuse me, my computer's talking to me. Um, But there's this whole crew of Canadian women, I feel like that had been doing this social media thing or showing up on television and doing little TV spots. So in a nutshell, what were you doing beforehand? Like, what was your kind of deal online?
1: So my deal online was I started uh, blogging. Uh, I had my little parent blog. It's called The Bump and Hustle. And um, I wrote for 10 years. Uh, it started when uh, I was just when B was fresh. <laughs> and, you know, I was a mom trying to navigate um, a consultancy and motherhood. And so I smooshed them together. And, you know, I all, all of a sudden found this community of women. And it was really great. So that grew. I was, you know, on Twitter, I was engaging a lot on social media. Like it was just sort of what I was doing. And that also naturally led me to doing a lot of producing and working with brands on the other side, which was really great. And, um, and then what was interesting after that is that also led me back into film, which I've been dappling in for, for years since I was like in my late, I guess, in my early 20s, really. And, um, and it was really because it kind of it, everything kind of seemed very much like it had its own flow again I was hiding a lot of myself from the world and it's really funny that we we build these identities of who we are and we look at our achievements based on all these things that in our head are so separate from us and those are our goals and um yeah I I was really cutting like 50% of myself off from people because I had this other secret life that nobody knew about
0: Right, but. because Well, and then to be fair, though, to discuss life during those times, like, you know, I was doing a similar thing, but far away, but it was very different. The stories that people were sharing. So different. Um, we were not going that far beneath the surface to share vulnerabilities. There was no Brene Brown doing TED Talks about, you know, how yeah. to share and taking shame off the table and all of that. So, I mean, it is like light years difference now so you know it's almost like you so you go through this this wild journey and I want to talk more about it in a moment because I feel like honestly when you're talking about it I'm like I can't even k- keep up with the, li- the lingo is so different when you're experiencing these autoimmune um, yeah. disorders, diseases, but you know, it's like you had this foundation set for what to already, like how to share, you know, how to set it up, how to do this thing. And it was like, okay, well now life is different and I want to share a different story. So everything else was there. It was almost just your, okay, I got to step into this light and start sharing it. And so I remember talking with you, like, you need to get on this and talk about, you had mentioned this autoimmune thing. And I was like, yeah. is this is genius so yeah like when when did you decide to pull the trigger on that like was there someone that inspired you or were you just like what if there's you know, someone like me you know yeah
1: actually i have to say like you and i talking that was amazing i i i really it was really interesting because that event that we went to um you know i had a lot of really really amazing women at it and it was i i've always really really taken strength from like women who, especially as entrepreneurs and as creatives are willing to just be generous, like not, you know, not hoard their information and not be like, no, you know, but really just like, Hey, there's room for all of us. And actually that was one of the things that I think you and I talked about first was like, there's so much room for all these women, you know, to share and to be successful. And I instantly, um, I just instantly loved like your energy. And when we were chatting about YouTube stuff and video And how I had had this existing platform before and it was, you know, I had like, (laughs) I never actually re-engaged YouTube yet. I still haven't done that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we were really just blue skying it and it became this real thing, you know. And that is, is, I think, how a lot of people, like how things manifest really, right? Like when we talk about it and we have the courage to talk about it as opposed to just, you know, holding it to ourselves and thinking, well, maybe one day that would be nice, you know. And mm-hmm. and I think also, you know, hearing my ideas out loud and not having them <laughs> shot down, you know, because my ego wanted to believe that and hearing people say this is needed, this is so needed. Um, it really gave me courage. And I was hesitant to step into the into that kind of advocacy role. But then I realized that I had no choice, In a in a sense. I think I think it's different for everyone. I feel that everyone should have a choice. But I specifically, I really felt my soul um, just ignite um, when I started listening to other people's stories because they were opening up listening to mine and realizing that now I need to do something. I want to shed some light on this community. And um, absolutely, that was it. And you know what? I started doing IGTVs instead of YouTube because it was a, actually a functional hack. I did have a couple cognitive issues that I have. Been coming up with strategies um, for in order to kind of like keep doing what I'm doing. And it can be, be overwhelming at times. So the traditional YouTube setup that I had going just wasn't cutting it. But you know what? Grabbing my phone and having that really small user interface, boom, I was able to do it. I was able to mm-hmm. edit on my phone. So that's what I did. And that's what Absolutely. I've been doing.
0: Yeah. And, and, to, it- and also to, you know, talking about video things change so quickly. Like two years ago, IGTV and all this wasn't, it was just on the cusp, you know? And so video talking, anything content was YouTube. And so now there's just, I love how accessible it is for people. Cause you're right. You know, YouTube is a beast. And if you want to tackle it, it's, it's a machine and you got to be hooked up to it. Where I love how, you know, Instagram and TikTok now and all these other places, it's much quicker. You're just like, I got an idea. Boom, boom, boom. It's out, you know? So, I love that and, and accessibility is a big deal. Like you said, some days
1: yeah, you some may days. have
0: symptoms and some days you may f- be feeling great. And and so you need to have something that's super easy to maneuver, you know. That's
1: exactly it. And I mean even with you, like you've noticed, like there are days I like I'll text you or I'll mm-hmm. and there's days that I leave these voicemails and <laughs> leave voice messages from people. It's like the I give gratitude every day <laughs> for the text for like little tech like that where I can just like touch a button and just say something and if I'm having like my motor skills are off or my eyes aren't working or something then it's just like the easiest thing and it feels even more intimate like it's nice you know so I love it is, that yeah it is I, I really I have to say I never thought also that Instagram would be like where I live because I used to be such a Twitter girl or right, and even just Facebook you know but on oh, well that's <laughs> That's so older.
0: passe. It's yeah. like we're aging ourselves with Facebook.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. so I learned something recently. I was talking mm-hmm. with a friend whose younger sister is dealing with, um, uh, I don't know which autoimmune disease, but mm-hmm. something. And she just kept, and I said, oh, a friend of mine talks about that. I was thinking about you. And she goes, yeah. And it's a strange thing where like, once you get one, it just seems like other ones start piling on. And I was like, wait, like I sense, to that, from certain things you've shared online, what's that about? Like, maybe we could help. Like, for some of us that just don't understand autoimmune diseases and like what how that changes you. Like, why why might that happen?
1: So here's the thing. Again, and I have to also say this: like, I'm not a doctor. I wish I was. Sometimes I really do. Mm. But here's my my there's there's going to be different camps on this. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the sort of there's the traditional stuff where you talk to your specialist, and then I think. That there is a trauma element to it i think that there's a more energetic side to it and um you know this might be a little woo for some people i get it but here's the thing um when you are it, it's incredibly difficult it's incredibly difficult to get diagnosed i find okay the diagnosis uh process unless things are already so pronounced okay like you have it, it, like textbook for example colitis symptoms or you have textbook lupus symptoms um you know it takes an average of like 10 years for people to be diagnosed with things yeah it's a lot longer and i don't know why specifically more with women i talk a lot about this in my feed but I find that women get gaslit a lot, especially because we have, we have more hormones. We have, uh, you know, we have motherhood responsibilities. Um, you know, I, I was told literally in my early 20s when I was um, complaining and I had, I had Crohn's then and I wasn't diagnosed. I said, I was like, I, you know, have really bad lower right quadrant pain. And I was told that I had an eating disorder and then referred to a psychiatrist or, or actually a psychotherapist at the time who told me that my lower right quadrant pain was a manifestation of my stress and that I needed to do some meditation. She wasn't wrong. I still meditate, but here's the thing. It was real. We were, wow. Yes. So by the time it, and and this is Crohn's guys, this is not, this wasn't, this is not something very super rare or something or more rare on the spectrum, like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or, um, or a mixed connective tissue disease or whatever. You know what I mean? This is something that is pretty textbook. So, It's being seen um, before you're even seen that is the most important part of autoimmune. And I really firmly believe that a lot of the other kind of comorbidities happen um, because along the way, one of the reasons is obviously there's a genetic factor. There's things that we are that are beyond our control. But if we are not given, you know, if we're not seen and we're not able to kind of Put a, a finger on what's going on in our in our bodies, then we can pre- be perpetuating lifestyle decisions. Um, we can be perpetuating stress, uh, a whole number of factors that are keeping us in that in this place of dis-ease, if you will, and you know potentially multiplying symptoms or basically switching on other syndromes. Um, right. this is something that nobody's a hundred percent clear on. There's so much research going on. And, um, unfortunately, I mean, I know a lot of it's stopping right now because of COVID. Um, because we obviously need our focus on that, but it is, it is a very, it's very interesting how many people have like a collection of autoimmune conditions. Um, something that I have POTS, which is, uh, postural, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Okay. It is an, your body has this really cool thing. I liken it to imagine your body is this really super slick laptop and your OS that runs everything is your autonomic nervous system. Okay. So your autonomic nervous system basically runs things like your blood pressure, um, your heart rate, um, your temperature regulation, like these things that we don't think of that we, we do automatically. And people who have dysautonomia essentially are people who have autonomic systems or os's that do not work properly it'll shut down different apps okay basically
0: okay not to confuse you but we switch topics here momentarily you know work from home parent, I had to pause the interview and go set up Jack on a Google meetup thing for his class. And then we came back and started talking about school and our children. So we switched topics, but then we come back to the autoimmune diseases. So anyway, okay, here we go. Our schools haven't done any of those meetups where they have like actual video calls. Oh, it's so stressful. well, and this was the first time, and now I've, I've just had to coach Esme because Dean is painting our bathroom, so that'll be interesting.
1: Honestly, it is um, the the whole. I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about it later on or not, but mm. like the, the but the schools, the school announcements, the fact that that there's no more school. I thought Harrison would take it worse, but he's okay because he kind of adjusted to. He doesn't like this; he hates it, but he's sort of okay with it now. Mm -hmm. um v is in a five six split and because of that her best friends are in grade six they are all graduating she doesn't even get to say goodbye
0: oh that's so hard yeah honestly yesterday the teacher so jack's teacher being sk and then the assistant uh came by and just like waved and said hi to Jack and I got all emotional I was like don't cry you know but it, it's just a lot like you don't they don't really realize what they've missed out on and I'm like it's such a bummer like kindergarten is, is so fun and such fun memories and they totally got you know missed out gypped. on it they oh, totally they got ripped did. off so
1: hard and that's the thing too where um uh Harrison's teacher did the same thing she came oh. by and she actually read a story to him um from the sidewalk. And I was just sitting there freaking bawling. I have it on video. I was I like making and I do TV, but I swear to God, every time, every time I watch the footage, I just sit there bawling. It's like a huge so trigger. so
0: freaking sad. Yeah, and I, I hadn't even like considered, I don't know, you know, you're worried about so many other things. And then I saw the high school students, like there's that, there was like this one TikTok or whatever, and they're sitting on their cars and the high school had put on the lights and I was like, oh my God, this is definitely, like I, I was immediately taken back to that feeling, that last year of high school, which was the those last few weeks with your friends yeah oh it's so it's such a bummer honestly i'm i'm curious to see how once some of the restrictions are lifted how communities come together to celebrate people who have missed out on these things
1: okay i'm gonna tell you i i do live in a like i live right like in a university neighborhood Mm. um and we have a lot of student activity and a lot of youth activity as well and i will say that um, although I would love it I would have loved for oh, to just see them wearing masks at least but you you know where this is going already like mm. I there's like 20 of them hanging out like nothing happened not wearing masks and it I, it, it really terrifies it terrifies me on a number of different levels as a mom <laughs> as as a just a human, you know, in this time where I'm like, you don't understand that what you can now do is spread it to so many different people, like just by hanging out together, you could be carriers, you don't even know it. And, and also as somebody who's, you know, who's immunocompromised, right? Like, it's just so like, what is for as many times as somebody decides to just not listen to that, that social distancing and to not follow those guidelines. It's another how many months that I actually have to stay at home.
0: <laughs> Truly.
1: It it really is. It really is. And it's like, the the weird thing too is that I I'm working on a piece because this has all been brewing. And I don't know about you, but I've been really finding that a lot of this, it's so much harder for me to distill things because usually with an event that is somewhat traumatic or stressful, right? It, it starts and then it stops and then it's mm-hmm. in the past and we can then process that, you know, and like get resources that we need or whatever we need in order to like make the best of that for us. Well, with this, it's like, it's just keeps happening. It's like every single day it's still there. And you can't quite make friends with it. You know what I mean? It's not like one of those things where I'm going to feel empowered by COVID. You can't really do that. No. Um, no. So, um, So yeah, it's been taking a lot longer for me to write things and for me to kind of create, just create in general, because I want it to come from a place of calm and peace and of assurance and not from a place of panic and fear and uncertainty. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Yeah, because that's where a lot of us are living. It's, I mean, you sent me a message the other day and I was just like, yes, you get it. Like how hard it is to share in a time where you haven't had a chance to process what you're feeling and there's no resolution. You're like, it's just a moment that I'm experiencing right now and I can't tell you it's gonna get better. I don't know if it's gonna get worse. I have no idea, but here I am. And it's really hard to share that or even feel like you wanna push the go button on content that's like that because you're like, ugh. You know, I wish I could wrap this up better.
1: That's it. That's the thing where uh, I think that we're so used to having having episodic experiences where it is ni- nice and tidy. And, you know, we do kind of as creatives, we do our catharsis comes from putting the bow on it, right? Like that's where we heal as storytellers. So, So when we can't put the bow on it, We can't, we're not fully healed. It feels very strange to like be that vulnerable. Like, yeah, okay, we can be vulnerable, but that vulnerable, like (laughs) that is, that's a whole nother level right there, right?
0: Totally. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, when I, I had a video go out recently and I was like, I had it already scheduled to rock and roll. And then that morning I woke up and I was like, I can't do it. Like it's too much because you just feel sick almost like I wasn't ready to share that. And it's exactly what you said. I love that visual of episodic experiences. But right now, it's just a permanent state of garbage. And, like, to your point about, like, it's like a dumpster fire 2020. But, you know, these kids gathering with no regard for their actions. This is so frustrating to me because, like, we're good and healthy in our house. My dad's good and healthy in his house. We still haven't broken that bubble yet because it's like, He does live in Toronto. We're outside the city. He does have exposure to a lot more people and things just walking down the street. You know, we don't have that many people that I'm walking past. And who knows? You're seeing people who are in the epitome of health be taken down by this virus. And I'm like, well, I don't want anyone in my house to get sick. I don't want anyone in his house to get sick. You know, it. I just think it's. I get it. Like everyone's annoyed, and young people. I don't care. I just don't think it's an excuse. It's like it's brutal, but like you also have to avoid your friends because all of us are stuck in this.
1: It, it, it's not. it that, That's. I think that's what the hardest thing for especially younger people is right now because you know they do feel like they've had. I'm, um, and and rightly so. They they feel that they've had to sacrifice these milestone moments, right? Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. getting this. So, so, you know, a given an inch, they are going to, they are going to take that mile. Now I'm, I'm very surprised. I don't know. I have really mixed feelings about this, even this graduated kind of, uh, stage one or stage two kind of this opening back of society, um, or because the fact is that, um,
0: <laughs> there's no vaccine. That's right. There's no vaccine. Like, what are we doing, and you know? And we
1: still had numbers going up. and I all know. That, you know. And that's the thing, too. Where they're saying now that it's like, well, the two weeks, you know, it's like, well, guys, let's take a look at what the numbers are doing about 19 days after Victoria Day weekend. Mm. Let's just take a look, okay? And maybe we should have waited those extra 20 days, you know, and just to make sure that that was. I don't know. Before we start opening everything all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also appreciate I really do greatly appreciate that you know there is more than uh, there's more than our physical health here. Our mental health is obviously we are in a constant state of trauma, right? So mm-hmm. that means that I mean, I don't know. I don't know if on a government level people have more information and they're like we absolutely have to give people more leniency at this time otherwise there's going to be serious repercussions, you know. I also don't know whether or not they've looked at it and gone, if this does get huge again, what is the PTSD going to be like afterwards? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like as just oh, yeah. a society, you know, our, our wellness, our mental wellness is going to really be at risk. And we're not going to have the same, um, same ways to gauge uh, our, our health, you know. Because I think we're all going to be functioning at a different absolute, and um, and yeah, I, I I I do really see that happening a lot. I see that I see that in my house. I see mental health changing. Oh um, girl, me
0: too. We've had some moments, some dark dark moments, and it's yeah. like I would consider most the people in my house pretty balanced, uh, pretty capable of managing themselves, but you throw. Anyone into that into this into this so much uncertainty, and then you add in already diagnosed mental health issues, or yeah. you know the isolation. I mean, I, I often speak about what I do. I do from a place of wanting to help people who are so lonely, because I remember feeling moments of loneliness in my life. And I just think, well, here we are in potentially the loneliest of experiences we've ever experienced, you know. And yeah, mental health is a huge thing. For a minute there, I was getting so annoyed at so many of my, well, one particular neighbor who keeps having people over. And then, I don't know, I'm not as angry, maybe because the sun is shining more, I can like get out in my yard and let out some steam or something but i'm like you know maybe there's other things at play and i i sometimes there might not be they might just be jerks but they also might have a daughter who's maybe living in a domestic violence situation or something yeah, and needs sure. to be out and like have exposure to other things or is struggling mentally and and their health is just deteriorating who knows right but it's I feel like they're just, I don't know, I know what you mean. It's like these phases keep opening, but what does that mean? That's all good and fine for everyone who could potentially get the virus and recover. Yeah, but like, exactly. But for if me, if your little yeah. kids get it's exposed to it mm-hmm. and they're a carrier, like who knows? Right. So, so. so that's,
1: that's the thing too. And, and something that I, we're going to see a lot more information. I'm hoping flood um, our, our feeds um, about, about the details of, Uh, of what is uh, a good protocol I mean, we saw it for a while remember when everything's like this is how I do my grocery shopping and all of a sudden it's like a million Instagram videos that are like (laughs) time-lapse so but the thing you know I I, I did one hey come on but like you know but it's just it's like it's interesting what we need now are discussions around things like protocol and so as you were saying it's like okay you have your dad and you have your household and you know that potentially be able to to visit, but there's a lot of fear there and there should be, there should be, mm-hmm. you know, that's the thing where, um, just because a government official says, Oh, it's okay. You can visit now. It doesn't mean that they're in control <laughs> of, of, of the spread of this thing. So what I've been talking about with my parents as well, because my dad is high risk. He had survived um, heart surgery. He also has some inflammatory conditions that are autoimmune and myself, obviously I have, um, I'm, 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 I'm immunocomplicated, as you know, Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. and because I have um, things that affect multi systems, including my heart, I, you know, I'm very, I'm high risk, I was told to be very careful. And it's terrifying to know that, like to have to preface things (laughs) in the family constantly, like, okay, mask on, you know, I don't want to, mom, I don't want to put my mask on. Okay, but you know, like we can't be carriers. Like, it's just like so surreal. It feels like I'm scripting like some kind of bizarre, like, I don't know, sci-fi thriller or something. Truly. But that is just a normal conversation as is with my my parents. Okay, mom, I know you want to see the kids and we miss you very much. But the 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 chance of me getting it can be exponentially increased by one tiny difference in protocol. So if I, for example, we have a very stringent kind of way we do our groceries that involves like, again, like taking the cereal bags out of their boxes even. And um, the, the, the fruit comes right into the, but we don't even bring bags into the house um, and they go right into water. I'm wearing gloves and a mask. I'm, you know, like the whole thing. Basically, I'm masked and gloved and everything, but if, if my parents, okay, even if they followed what they see as a very stringent protocol, if they do one thing differently, one, if they just, if, if they forget just once that they shouldn't be touching their mask and then they're with the kids, even if they have a mild case or let's say they're just carriers, mm-hmm. it's what happens when the kids come home to me. What happens? And, um, okay, now I'm sorry, I got a big lump in my throat. No, because abso-
0: it's, it's, it's not worth the risk. It's not this worth is, the risk. This uh- is the hardest part is like, you know, I feel like I could explode because I'm such an extrovert and I thrive on spontaneity and adventure and experiences beyond the walls of my house. God help me. However, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, As time goes on, we're becoming numb to what's happening, like what's happening, because it hasn't impacted us directly. But then I'll stumble on like an Instagram page, and I'm like, "Whoa!" Like this whole family is, you know, they've got a loved one who's been on a ventilator for over a month, and you're like, "No, this is still real." Just because the sun is shining, yeah, and your kids are bored, and you miss your parents or whatever, it's still happening. Oh yeah. Uh, and that's I, the part that, like, we're forgetting. I feel.
1: I, I'm. I'm. I had a very interesting. I had a wake up call, and early on, uh, I really. I was hearing about this stuff, and I had a bad feelings about it. You know what I mean? Like, you start mm-hmm. to. It starts to sink in through that uh, that permeable <laughs> membrane. Oh, and yeah. yeah, and you know, you're like, okay, this is this is going going to be something. And this was prior to Easter. Um, we had heard that actually one of my parents' friends contracted COVID and we're like, Oh, okay. And then literally the next day he was on a ventilator. And then, uh, we found out on Easter Sunday that he had passed.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And it was really shocking. They were at my wedding. Like I just, it was so shocking because we were actually laughing about how it had taken us so long to write these damn thank you, thank you cards. And we were writing his we are writing like the couple this wonderful couples. Yeah. It's just so strange to have it become so real and so tangible. And then also not be able to mourn in this traditional way. So we're mourning our everyday lives, but we can't mourn the lives that have left us
0: mm-hmm. very
1: surreal right there. And, I mean, I will say, because my parents are so lovely and very strong-willed and, you know, and just fiery um, in their spirit, um, <laughs> I was I was very grateful that my dad was able to see, um, unfortunately by losing his friend, but, like, was able to actually see that this was real and that this wasn't, this could impact us very, very, um, yeah, in a very, very serious way. Oh,
0: yeah. And I think that there is, I mean, you don't want to offend anyone by, I don't want to offend anyone what, what I'm, from what I'm about to say, but yeah, there yeah. is a thing I'm noticing, like younger people are like, meh, you know. There's also a thing happening with older people where yes, they're kind of not believing that it's real. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's real. And I wonder, is, is it the lack of, you know, I'm always on my phone. I'm flipping through Instagram. I've got the news at my fingertips. The moment something changes, I'm like, Oh, look at this, the latest announcement or whatever, you know, not to say older people are not because there's research. They're quite tech savvy, but there's something there like special people close to me. were like, well, we're going to have tea with a friend of ours. And I was like, um, are you, sh- what, you know, like, no. And this was early on in this experience.
1: You know, what's really interesting is that recently I've just been, I've been meditating on exactly what you've been saying because there's, I have no control over this. Like Mm -hmm. we, we have no control and not only do we have no control over, over Corona. Okay. But we have no control over, um, other people's actions. We, we have no, we cannot be responsible for other people's actions. We cannot be responsible for other people's feelings. So that one was a big one for me because my parents who were feeling restless, you know, and that restlessness of, mm-hmm. of, of seniors who are, you know, super seasoned in their experience. They have so much to offer in terms of knowledge and really do have a lot of independence, right? And their, their primary issue as their entering this next phase of their lives is losing their independence so then being told to stay in one place and that you can't do x y and z um you know it's very triggering for a lot of people and i honestly feel that that kind of rebellious thing is a very natural response it's so natural and i had to explain to my mom i'm like mom you know me before the 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 stroke thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. That was me. I was being told, you know, that I was losing my independence. Like I was losing my mobility. I was losing things. I refused. I just refused to listen and to actually do the things that would have actually given me a lot of relief. And, you know, again, fiery nature. Yes. Fantastic put it to something new dig a hole in the garden just do something you know throw <laughs> your might into something fantastic reorganize redecorate the, the living
0: room yeah reorganize <laughs> move furniture around i know it is yeah. something but tear yeah. a wall down
1: you know what i mean uh, mm-hmm. like yeah but it's but please don't go to costco
0: <laughs> i agree So I'm one just, thing you mentioned okay. through this, I, and it's something I hadn't even thought about in that way, but was the the protocol and looking yes. at it like one thing different. And you just, you really kind of put into words what I was thinking. So here mm-hmm. I was yesterday just talking to dad and I was like, okay, well, if you did come over, like, how would we do that? You know, mm-hmm. like the kids love to roughhouse with grandpa. And I don't really, I don't want you up in each other's faces, you know, and not so much just for the kids but I don't want the kids up in your face like I don't know they're touching things you know we get lots of packages delivered I don't know you know and so I'm like okay just I said let me sit with it for another week and let's just see what things are changing so quickly and we've been very good like we haven't had people come by I had a neighbor come by the other day I didn't recognize her I just opened the front window I was like hello and she's looking at me like I'm like oh I thought it was an Amazon delivery thing I opened the door she stood six feet away but but and you know we're all going a little, a little local, but it is that simple for someone who's immunocompromised. One thing different, yeah, just one thing different. something so simple. Now we got cut off before because I was setting up a Google Meetup for my kid, mm-hmm. and you just gotta love life. Yeah, um, but we were talking about, you know, how some of these. Um, you know, autoimmune diseases kind of compound. Um, yeah. And you had been mentioning, which I think is so important. And I don't want to gloss that over about how women are not necessarily taken seriously in doctor's offices. I've listened to lots of podcasts where this comes up and mm-hmm. also even just like not acknowledging the pain or you get used to the discomfort that you're feeling. And the fact that you just said that the flare-ups um, or the symptoms can change day to day yeah like yeah, yeah. like I think um, is rheumatoid arthritis an, an autoimmune it is. disease it is, it is. Yeah. Ah. so interesting so my grandmother who's gone now but she had rheumatoid um, and she ha- but then she had uh, lots of other little things that started to pop up and I'm talking like well into her life like 60s and beyond you know the drops for the eyes and the tummy and then she found out she was celiac and all these things kind of compound uh-huh. um and she was in a time where definitely not heard or validated in a doctor's office. Like when it comes to so, someone listening who's experiencing like strange symptoms, like what was it for you that you were like, no, there's something off? Like, what was that path like for you?
1: It was, you know, it's really interesting because um, it, the most important thing you can possibly do is if you feel like something is off, You need to be the doctor of one. You need to be your own patient. And you absolutely need to check in with yourself and trust your gut. Because guess what? Here's the thing. Even if it ends up being something like anxiety, okay? And it is manifesting as like muscle tension or something like that, you know? Who knows? Um, The fact is that that is the process of you becoming aware of what is wrong, and until until you accept right everything that you're experiencing, and and, and unless you keep saying this is my truth, you're not going to find a solution. The thing that is weird about our culture, okay, and here is that we we actually give our power, we empower somebody, and I please don't get me wrong, I love my doctors, I absolutely think the specialists, most of them that I've been aligned with, have been life changers, but. I do feel like there's a big issue with this sort of thing that we do where we take our power and we give it to somebody who sees us for 10 minutes every three months. <laughs> and we say, oh, okay, but they said it was fine. So I guess I'm fine. Meanwhile, things are, you know, as I said, like multiplying, things are getting worse. You know, you might notice other things cropping up, other symptoms, but you know, y- you know, the is right. Maybe I'm just tired. I-, I was told I was a drama queen um, for having stomach issues. I was told, yeah, I was told that I was wasting a doctor's time. Uh, I, I really, I was asked, why do you want to be sick, honey? (gasps) Oh yeah.
0: Like, okay. I had a doctor once shame me because I had a little toe fungus back in the day and I wanted (laughs) medication because it was really bothering me. And he actually said to me, well, you know what? Some of us, um, some of us are princesses that like to have pretty feet and some of us are blah, blah, blah. And I looked at him, and I was like, and I was, I'm a little bit of fire too. And I was like, so are you writing that prescription or no? Like, why am I here? Wow. And he was just like, oh, like, are you arrogant yeah. individual that you think you can speak to me like that? Because I was young and the whole thing. And it was just a tough situation. Like you're talking physical pain, yeah, physical pain. You are like not not being validated. I can't imagine that must have like, I, I can't say it's true, but for some people would push you back where you would like, okay, so I guess I just got to live with this pain for another six months until I can't take it anymore.
1: I, I lived with it for 10 years before wow. I got a diagnosis. It was really interesting because I, I really did believe them um, at certain points and you start feeling like you're crazy. You start feeling like you're crazy. Um, and the, the thing is, again, you know, I'm very lucky because I, I always check in with myself and uh, I've cultivated that voice over the years, but really I kept on just being like, no, this is real. This is physiological. It's not psychological. This is not the result of, you know, I don't have an eating disorder. I have developed disordered eating in order to deal with the pain. There's a big difference. And yeah, it's very fascinating. Like just like how do you, you just really need to have that sense of self and to know that your health and not being in pain is the is the is, is, is it shouldn't be a goal it should be the normal state okay absolutely and and that and it's so interesting that like especially as women i cannot begin to tell you how many times i've also heard like oh you know just you know like suck it up you know like it, it's fine. It'll go away. Oh, you know, you're really you're making a mountain out of a molehill. I've heard all of these things when it's come to discussion about pain. Sometimes, um, in in an ER setting, right? And especially because with chronic pain, people tend to look at you like you're a, a drug seeker. Uh, yeah, I was actually told at one point before a diagnosis with Crohn's, you know, uh listen, honey, you can drop the act because you're only going to get Tylenol. And I was like, what <gasps> does that even mean? I didn't actually know what it meant. Like I didn't, I did I had no wow. idea what she was insinuating. And uh, yeah, my, 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 my husband was, uh, had to explain to me like that. No, she thinks that you're after drugs. And I was like, oh my gosh. And guess what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And if I was, then what is so wrong about asking for a pain treatment course when you're in that much pain? There is no shame. There's no shame to having symptoms. There's no shame to, you know, not being in optimal health. And when we reinforce that shame by, you know, shutting people down and not, you know, not letting them trust their bodies because the power is more important. Oh my gosh. You know, what are we doing as a society? What are we teaching our kids? Right? So in some any- and and
0: like and correct me if I'm wrong, but some of these autoimmune diseases are not visual, right? That's right. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm just imagining. Like so I was thinking of my grandmother. So here she's got like really painful eyes or something because her eyes are like really dry or I don't know what. Mm-hmm. How do you explain that to someone? Then someone looks at you and they're like, "Well, maybe it's it could be a symptom of this." And well, you just yeah, take Advil, you'll be fine. Take Tylenol. You can't like take a blood test necessarily and immediately get results that are going to tell you what this is. Like you said, it's so difficult to identify which one you have, if you have it. And it just, you know, it it seems, and it's, for me, it's almost like, my God, it's overwhelming as someone on the outside looking in, I can't imagine being in it, not being validated. Wow.
1: I think one of the interesting things um, that I noticed myself doing and that I've changed, I've shifted. And and this is, I think I, I would absolutely, if anyone's listening, who is in this situation, um, maybe, hopefully it will help. But I used to go into doctor's offices, and I'd be so unsure. And I want them to guess. I had ideas, I may, I may have even done some research about some of my symptoms. But I would kind of like, leave it out for them like breadcrumbs, like this breadcrumb trail, and I'd hope that they pick up on it and then say, sure, we do that. Let's do that test. Oh, you might have something, you know, you might have, uh, you might have a a lupus crossover or you might have, um, you know, even something like psoriasis. Okay. So it's really interesting. Now I go in and I'm like, I think I have psoriasis. Yes. You know, and and it's but it's very interesting that the shift in power and ultimately I'll have doctors, even one of my wonderful doctor will say, why do you think that? And I'll say, well, you know, I have this marking on my skin. I got this symptom, whatever da, da." And and she'll say, OK, great, we'll do a blood work or OK, let's let's um, let's refer you. And she now knows me, obviously, over many, many years and over many punches that i've had that have now become correct diagnoses that's the other kind of at least it was very validating in that respect but like she knows that i know my body and mm-hmm. that i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take a seat you know to my i health. love that
0: oh my god this is such a good takeaway i'm very much a firecracker like that like i've had some cramping before my period and i was like okay I know that I have this one thing. Or I'm a, like I'm ninety 99% sure. Prove me wrong. I'm open to it. So I go in and I actually will write down notes. And this is a good thing too for people if you're stressed, because I can sometimes, um, I have a problem where I respect authority too much. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I'm like, well, no, you're in that position. So you're obviously right. You know, but what you're saying, like, you know yourself, you know your body, and I think it's okay to get a second opinion. Like, I went into this doctor and I said, I think this is what's happening. And she was like, okay, like you said, why do you think that? Okay, let's do this test and double check. And in the end, it was what I thought it was, and it was a simple fix. And I was like, whew, you know, because the alternative is I'm sitting there stressing, thinking it's ovarian cancer or something, you know, and you're like, oh my God, like, prove me wrong. But also, just don't tell me it's nothing. Like, yeah work with me, especially in Canada with the healthcare that we have, like we, you can, you can do the work with me.
1: You you know, what's really interesting is this is, and this is such a huge thing too, is good patient syndrome. Okay. I call Mm. it good patient syndrome. I don't know if it's an actual thing, but this is something that we, we, we realized was a massive block to me getting the resources that I needed because even if I was in excruciating pain, I'd been shamed so much that I learned to downplay it. Even if I was in, you know, having really serious and extreme symptoms, I'd say it wasn't that bad because again, i would learned to downplay it. I wanted to be a good patient. I wanted to be a good patient for the doctor, not for myself, for the doctor to make their lives easier. And it really, really, this kind of everything hit a wall when um, we realized that I had, I had to go for MS testing and because of some of my neuro symptoms that weren't leaving and my cousin is in a wheelchair. He's incredible. He has primary progressive MS. And I had a conversation with him. I said, I'm, I'm scared because they haven't gotten back to me about with my results. And, you know, I just want to be this good patient. And he let me have it. It was the best pep doc I have ever had. He said, you know what, Kat? Um, A good patient is the one who calls Every freaking day and asks for the damn results because it is that important to you be a good patient for you make them work so hard to get the answer and to get you off their back (laughs) that you can finally start a treatment for yourself that you can finally step into good health okay that is being a good patient and i just my mind was blown in that phone call from that moment on, I started being a good patient. From me,
0: that's incredible advice. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah,
1: we are so scared. We're scared to ask, right? So-
0: and, and and for some of us that have that tendency toward, you know, just be a good a good patient, and I don't want to burden you with more. But here I am. You know, if you waited eight months for that appointment you take that appointment by the balls, you know what I mean? And you sit there and you get what you need. And I, and sometimes you do have to kind of do a little dance where you're like going back and forth with this doctor, but you're like, no, no, no. I know you got lunch waiting, but we're talking, <laughs> you know? And like, you got your own life and your own issues, but so do I, and we're here doing this thing, right? Exactly. Okay, so you mentioned MS. And one of the points I wanted to talk about was since you started sharing your journey, it Mm -hmm. seemed that there was like a couple celebrities starting to share their journey. And I've been following, you know, what Selma Blair is doing on her Instagram. Oh my God, she's incredible. And that interaction. And I'm pretty sure you guys are chatting now or have been, and it's like, (laughs) what, you know? So what do you think about all of that? Like, tell me a little bit about Selma Blair and her relationship to you.
1: This is very surreal. Um, and, and, and honestly, like, I mean, it, 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 it's just, I have the, a linker to thank for that. Um,
0: okay. Tell people what that is. So I will, it's I very will. cool. This
1: is, this is very, very, very cool. Uh, it kind of r- ties into me following Selma Blair because for my wedding, I was looking for some like blinged out cane ideas. And actually that's how she popped up into my feed. I was searching cane and she was getting a custom cane made for that now very famous uh, Vanity Fair party. Uh, yes Yes. where she debuted um right uh, after mm-hmm. after her announcement essentially okay it was her first public announcement after saying that she had Emma. so it was really a big deal and I, I just I just really enjoyed um her content and her her openness she's an incredible mother and just the way she's so candid about everything it's just fantastic so and I just also love the elegance she was bringing to everything I was like I felt pretty again you know i felt like stylish again i kind of was getting my groove back a little bit because it was difficult so anyways i all of a sudden see her appearing on this gorgeous yellow bike or but not bike what is that thing and it is an linker. it is basically a walking bike okay so it looks like this almost like a victorian tricycle kind of thing this is what right because it's but, high yeah. up yeah so you it's can kind of up. stand sit yeah Exactly. And you're, sta- you're, you're sitting on it. You have core support, but it's fantastic because it can be used by ambulatory um, wheelchair users, which means that you're sitting in a wheelchair, but you can use your feet. You can use your legs. Okay, There are so many people who are confined to a chair who could actually walk, can use their legs even partially. If they can do this, they can be on in a linker. That's the... This is and what what's going to blow your mind is that you're not sitting in a chair staring at people's belly button lint. You're at eye level all of a sudden.
0: This is incredible.
1: It is so the social engagement, the physical engagement. It is a lifestyle like thing. It's not. I I wouldn't consider it even a mobility aid, but it's a lifestyle aid. It keeps you active. It keeps you engaged. And you know, I mean, the eye level thing. It just. it, It really is a game changer. As somebody who went from. Wheelchair to walker to rollator to cane. I-, I remember feeling so many feelings about my wheelchair, and there are still days now where I will have very limited mobility, and I know that if my pots is flaring and I feel like I'm going to faint, I need to be sitting. Well, oh was, yeah, the I wheelchair. Scared. I was scared.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, my only experience I keep bringing up my grandmother, but she was little, just little like you, and she got she would not sit in a wheelchair. Like her ankles got really bad because of rheumatoid arthritis and she, and her hands were really bad. Like, and I just think, well, before her hands got that bad, you know, she could have used something like an elinker and what an amazing, because oh, like, yeah. she was like, I'm not, no, I'm not going to sit in a wheelchair. Not well, that there's anything wrong with it, but it's like, she just couldn't, she couldn't let go of that.
1: You know, what's amazing is that, and again, wheelchairs are incredible things, but, mm-hmm. but what I love that you're saying this is that is exactly how the elinker came to be. Mm. Uh, Barbara Alink, okay, is the inventor of the Alinker. She goes by B. Okay, B and her mom were out on the street at one point, and um, her mom saw somebody go by using a rollator and said, "I, I'm not, I, I'd rather die than use one of those things." Essentially, and that's what set this whole thing in motion. B essentially created this incredible vehicle for change because she didn't want her mom to have to use a later.
0: Mm-hmm. Or be u- confined to her house. Because my grandmother be conf- was like, at the end, we couldn't do anything. We had right. to be at home because she couldn't walk for long distances. That's right. And finally, we were just like, no, we're going to the mall. We're putting you in a wheelchair so you can come and enjoy, you know, and be with us and do fun things you like to do. But... This is I I mean, I follow all of these people as well, because I just love you. And I love what you share online. (laughs) And I'm like, what's happening with here? I'm following all these people with the linkers. So all of a sudden, though, like, it was like, oh, this linker popped up. And I'm like, cool, follow them. And then I'm like, wait, Kat's talking to Selma Blair. Hold up. (laughs) Kat has an linker.
1: What is happening? So do you have one? So yeah, so this is the the the, oh, my goodness. Okay, B is a huge believer in in radical generosity okay forget traditional like she's an it like, cat's an influencer cat's gonna you know go in a collab with you know what i mean no 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 forget this so b reaches out to me after i was in the hospital um and also i just i was i had just had my driver's license taken away from me temporarily oh, because my yeah. symptoms were so bad and as a mom that is terrifying okay just like, just, that was the only thing I felt like I had. Mm-hmm. And B was like, look, I'm in town. Why? And I have an linker here. Why don't I just, you know, drop it over for you and, you know, you can use it for a few days or uh, actually, I'm sorry. I interpreted for a few days because she was in town for a few days. Mm-hmm. Well, she just left it at my house and was like, no, you, this is for you to use. So I was like, what? Hold on a second.
0: Because these, are, these like, are not a cheap and uh, no, no, they're thing. not. This they're, is an expensive thing.
1: No, and they are definitely economically accessible because she does a lot of crowd fundraising for them. But I was really blown away by this. I was really blown away. Um, so I'm like crying and freaking out. And I was crying
0: practically. I was <laughs> like, oh my God. Like
1: it was just, well, I- it was
0: so beyond. And, and, you know, I think a lot of us, Will, you know, if you're not exposed to someone who's experienced what you're experiencing or you're even aware, you know, this whole, the the monumental thing where Selma Blair walking in with a cane, like, these are big deal events. And so it's when it's outside of your bubble, sometimes it's hard to pay attention. But I was like, I don't know enough about this and I want to know more. And it's been really interesting watching it as an outsider, like, and how much it's actually impacted your life in a positive way. Like, I've seen you out with your kids yeah on the sidewalk and you're oh my like gosh, wow yeah.
1: and and that's the thing where it's like i i feel so empowered by this incredible thing like i feel like i can go to the store i feel like it's wonderful for exercise um i have my independence back and i and be- beyond that you know there are so many for me specifically like as i said my pots um kind of gives me this like fainting spell, you know, it gives me sometimes my blood pressure can go all over the place and I need to stop. I need to sit. Well, the only other option would be a wheelchair. And you know, I just, it makes things a little bit less accessible. I don't have to think like that anymore because I'm getting, I I'm able to sit, you know, I'm able to actually rest and regulate my, myself and my symptoms as i'm as i'm being mobile it's 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 really big
0: it's so amazing. yeah and
1: it, it's the whole community there is a hashtag a linker family okay they have so many the, basically everybody comes together and helps everybody Selma blair is part of this wonderful linker family okay Selma blair is one of the most she she is so generous with her energy and generous with her time and is so she makes herself very accessible to a lot of people and just tears people on and she's wonderful absolutely wonderful she um, has DM'd me a couple times this is the, this is my relationship with her where uh, I do know a lot of people who have actually gotten quite close with her and it's just so lovely to see that um, and you know but but holy co- like it's just the weirdest to be like oh I just got a DM from Selma Blair. This is surreal. Like, and you're just like, what is happening here? And, you know, just saying, like, you know, like, just like she wished me happy birthday. She, oh she you know, she's so nice. And, and I really honestly believe that she cares. I know B mm-hmm. absolutely cares, but that these like minded people who are just coming together for not just to help make things accessible and to enlighten or to, you know, strengthen a disabled community or people with marginalized bodies this is about social change. Absolutely. You know, this is about waves of social change. And it's just and so wonderful that, you know,
0: I agree. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, a lot of times when, you know, people either come from places or love or fear, right? And so when, when, mm-hmm. when things are unknown, and things seem uncertain, it's so easy to be fearful of it like oh I see a person with a cane or I see a person who needs to sit down or I don't know it seems so simple but it can be like that's scary why is it scary because people don't understand it people fear it for themselves I think people come from these strange places but I love that these conversations are happening um, that expose people like myself who didn't know about it before like it's, it's, it's changed me just paying attention, you know, and, and I know that a lot of times we don't, it's not going to be in a book that you're reading necessarily, but you're hey, you're scrolling through Instagram. And all of a sudden, you're like, Whoa, what is that? You know, this yeah. is, to me, why it's so important for these conversations to be had. And I come back to that chat on the bus. And I was like, dude, do the videos with what you're talking about because people need to know, you know? Actually, one of my favorite hashtags, I laugh every time, is Twitter. And it's like, I'm not going to get the hashtag right, but it's like things that able, able-bodied people do that are just whacked. Like it's, and I, I laugh because it's so ridiculous. Like something as simple as, you know, and, and maybe some on the sad side, but people who, um, like, so able-bodied people who use like a handicapped stall, in the washroom and right. a woman goes to go in who doesn't appear to be disabled right is and like gets shamed for using the handicap stall or why you shouldn't park in handicap parking spots because this one woman she goes yeah i drove around a walmart or something or a target for an hour waiting for a handicap stall to be a parking spot to be available because I can't walk from the parking lot to the store even though I can walk. And it's like That's right. Wow. You know, and I think this is where it's okay to admit that you don't know something. And it's okay to be open, right?
1: So so right. And you know what? That's the other thing too where especially where it's chronic illness related mm-hmm. stuff, I know that I'm still discovering my abilities day to day. Okay. There are some days literally where I can't see properly at all. (laughs) Like I just have optic strangeness and, you know, or as I mentioned before, some of my motor, my, my motor skills will be off. And it's just like, okay, my abilities are different today. They're different the next day. So there's a learning curve, you know, on a personal level. So of course there's going to be a learning curve on a societal level. I know that, especially with the invisible illnesses, right? Mm -hmm. Where a lot of people are fighting the good fight day to day, but you know, they, oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the stall is a big one using the bathroom stall and then being shamed for it. Absolutely. Um, and something that happens to me all the time. Um, or now it can, again, now that I have my driver's license back, but I used to drive with the kids. And of course I have my accessible parking sticker, right? My, Mm -hmm. my plaque. And, I get I get yelled at. I was I've been approached and asked, is that your grandma's? I've 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 been told like this isn't you you took your parents' car, like unbelievable accusations. Because wow. in somebody's mind, the way disabled looks or the way, you know, a chronic illness looks is just not aligned with what they're seeing. Right. Right.
0: Like it's just it's, and that's and that is where like you, you shouldn't be in a position where you have to educate people in that way, like mm. in a stressful, it's in your moment in front of your children. But it's it's up to people to not be ignorant, and yeah. I think that is a goal in life. Where you know what things you don't know, aim to learn. Always be coachable. Always be learning. Um, and you know, I also think that if something was said. And, you know, like, let's say I said something like that. Oh, my God, I would never. But if I did and somebody went to coach me or school me a bit, I think it's okay to be like, wow, I was wrong. And yes, I'm sorry.
1: Yes. That's it. I,
0: it's okay I, to be wrong. You know,
1: the best the best I ever had was uh, a, a woman who initially had yelled at me about taking a parking spot at a Walmart. Um, she said, I, I said, I, you know, I brought my cane out. I hadn't even said anything. And she just went, oh, I'm so sorry and she she was in tears and i was just like i'm not gonna make her feel better (laughs) (laughs) exactly
0: but maybe you you won't speak so quick next time and be so rude to another person when you don't know their story
1: you got it you got it
0: Okay, listen, I know you're working on some special projects. So yes. you are on Instagram talking mm-hmm. about life and you're and I just I love your gentle vibe you have with parenting. She even like sends me the most loving, gentle messages. I'm like, I love cat. <laughs> and it's always so perfectly timed. Like I'm just on the brink of like overload and I want to run away from all the things I do online. And I get this beautiful message like, don't stop. You're doing so well. And oh, it's just so lovely. So Instagram, your bump and hustle.
1: That's right. right? Yeah.
0: And And I think you have something special coming up. Like, what are you working on? I
1: do. I'm going to tell you, uh, I've been hinting at it a little bit online. I am actually launching a podcast on Tuesday.
0: Woo! That's today because when this podcast goes live, your podcast will be live. Oh
1: my gosh, that is so exciting! Yay! (laughs) So it's called Let It Land. And uh, it is. I sit down with guests and I get to hear all about the ways they've discovered how to do things in their lives and then we do takeaway because we want it to be accessible. We want that success and that happiness feeling to just be accessible to everyone. So, I talked to so many people, everyone, everyone, coaches, chiropractors, cosplayers, I don't know, that all just lined up with C's, <laughs> it was really weird, but That's yeah, awesome. fantastic, and I'm really excited to, to hear what people learn from it, you know, it's not just I'm, what I'm sharing.
0: I'm so excited Ooh. for you, because you do have, you know, we all have these gifts that we bring, but there's something very gentle and loving, like, honestly, you feel like sunshine to me, like, you're just oh. so warm and real and I think that there is a place for that I know that there's a place for that for you so I'm excited to see what you do with this and hopefully we'll collaborate on your side of things next I would love that
1: I would love that that would be fantastic yeah so
0: awesome and um so that's on Tuesday and then Mm -hmm. on Instagram are you doing anything like on a schedule or are you just posting as you feel with the autoimmune stuff and you know
1: I I'm gonna be I've been giving myself a little bit of a grace period as I mentioned just before with this stuff going on it's a lot but I am I am trying to create more of it we have something coming up um about just the kids reactions to school in Ontario obviously we're not having school anymore for the rest of the year, and uh, the kids' reactions and the family dynamic, and how that's going to kind of look for the auto mutant. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah, because it impacts everybody differently. So, you know, but, uh, and then, and then, and then I'm hoping to be doing weeklies again, which is something I am, uh, I'm, I'm finding the new group with on this crazy school at home schedule thing that we Honestly. all have.
0: It's well, like hard. even in this recording, like I was yeah. in like four times. It's <laughs> like, oh my God, I don't even know what we were saying. Um, and it's it's hard, but I think, and, and what's the beautiful thing is, don't get me wrong, like schedules are not required on Instagram. People just love to see you show up and be there. Um, because, and I think too, when you take on a new project, you want to pace yourself, right? It's like... <laughs> You want, you're learning this new element. Podcasting is so wonderful. I think that podcasting is also so new in Canada. So it's so exciting. Not new in Canada, but not as many people are like adapting to create them. And I think there's such a resource. And on me specifically, I constantly seek out, initially it was, un, you know, I wasn't realizing it, but I love to listen to women tell their stories and women being highlighted um, because there is so much expectation to to, to do everything and to do everything so well. And it's wonderful when you decide to do something that's like a little bit out of the box and you're like, Oh my God, look at this woman has this thing and is also going to create this story and this, this entertainment for us. So I'm pumped lady. It's going to be awesome. Oh,
1: I'm so Um, excited. This was so lovely. I love
0: chatting with you.
1: Thank you. I love being here. I love chatting with you too. It was so much fun. So much fun.
0: I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Be sure to follow Kat. I'm going to put some links below to her podcast where you can find her on Instagram. And uh, I guess that's it, guys. I'll see you in the next one. All right. Bye.